0: Welcome to the Reality Revolution. I have an exciting collection of different channelings today. This one's going to be a little different than past episodes. I wanted to go over a little bit of the Aaron Quo Dialogues. If you have followed the podcast so far, I've given you some background about the Law of One material. We've gotten a chance to talk to LL Research. There's a lot of information on their website as to how Carla got started in channeling. Because of her relationship with Don Elkins, who was a college professor and researcher in the paranormal, she had met him and over time began to channel entities from what was called the Confederation of Planets. This included a group of entities called Ra, which carried on for several years in an unconscious sort of channeling, and then Carla started channeling Quo after the raw communications had ended. On the LL Research website, you will find gathered thousands and thousands of different channeling sessions. There was a unique time in the history of LL Research when Carla met Barbara Brodsky. Barbara Brodsky is a super fascinating channeler who is deaf that channels an entity called Aaron. And there is a book you can find called The Aaron Quo Dialogues, An Extraordinary Conversation Between Two Spiritual Guides. Barbara Brodsky's story is in 1972, just after the birth of her first child. She unexpectedly became deaf over the course of two days. The nerves to her ears had died because the blood flow had been cut off, but her doctors could offer her no cause for the sudden failure. She struggled with deafness, and the anger she felt about it for many years... By the 80s, she was still experiencing great pain around this event and the ways that loss seemed to cut her off from the world. Although she was coping well with a difficult situation, she felt stuck with anger and prayed for help. She began to experience guidance that offered clear insights to which she had no previous conscious access. Because of her strong intention to move toward healing the anger and to live without harm, the source that came was positively polarized. She had no previous experience of channeling, nor any conscious knowledge about it. But the loving and wise answers that came supported by her intention opened her heart and led to healing. After a period of learning, she consciously met Aaron in January of 1989. It was only gradually that a more personal relationship was formed. Friends began asking to speak with him, so she began to channel him for others the experience of contact with a discarnate entity was bewildering. Who was he? What was she doing? She went into a local bookstore and asked for a book about channeling. They had a few channeled books, but nothing about the process of channeling. And after rummaging, she came upon Carla Ruckert's book, A Channeling Handbook. And then what ensued was a wonderful question and answer letter sessions between Barbara and Carla. And then, Something wonderful happens. They agree to meet, and Aaron and Quo begin a dialogue. And there's some really interesting information that comes out from these channelings. And Aaron's a little bit different of a source of channeling. I really, really like the personality of Aaron interacting with Quo. And there are a ton of different channelings done over the course of nine different weekends. I wanted to read a couple of the first channelings to give you a flavor of this. And totally recommend that you get the book to get further channelings. It is fascinating to read about Barbara who channels being deaf. And so she had somebody finger spell while she was listening to it, which didn't work out quite well. So she would go over to Jim, who was typing out what Quo was saying, and then she would understand what Quo was saying and then ask questions of Quo, and then Carla would get questions from Aaron and the interaction and difference between the answers is highly fascinating and they talk about all kinds of different subjects. The book is very fascinating because it describes the way that Barbara and Carla would tune before they would channel and they tune like a musical instrument before beginning to play. So they explain we must tune ourselves before we open the energy field to a discarnate entity Our high vibration calls forth the highest spirit vibration we can stably hold. Carla and Barbara have somewhat different methods of tuning. Carla said Barbara's experience is entirely different from Carla's. Aaron contacted her. She patiently and with great integrity honed in on that contact and stabilized it. I, on the other hand, worked for about two months before succeeding in contacting a member of the Confederation, which I was intending and hoping to do at the request of my partner, Don Elkins. A lot of times when Barbara is working with her own tuning, Aaron helps her. That does not happen with me, she explains. Now, Carla, when she tunes for a quo session, she begins in solitude to sing a hymn. The first lines of which are, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. I continue with prayer, she said, praying the prayer of the St. Francis and beseeching the Holy Spirit's presence. I invoke the archangels and all those whom they represent who come from the world of spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask them to help in maintaining the purity and safety of the circle and the contact. That's why it's so powerful to listen to Quote channeled because she is coming from the very highest source that she could find and tuning into that so the words seem sort of angelic. And Barbara does the same thing. So these are two highly polarized, positive entities, and you can tell from the words they are using. We begin with the first of many sessions that occurred between Aaron and Quo. Barbara begins by asking, We seek to know ourselves and the Creator, but do not know how to do this. As we fear we are imperfect in ourselves and our understanding and incapable of this knowledge, how can we proceed? Carla Channeling, Quo. Be aware that the Creator is often blocked, or banished by third-density entities, due to lack of awareness of the journey each came to make. However, those on earth are never away from the heart of unity, love, and concord. We would suggest that you again investigate yourself within this incarnational experience. Each entity is all that is lovely and all that is not, yet each entity can make many choices each of which orients him or her toward being a loving giving source of love in surrendering the life to serving the entity becomes a miracle a wonder let the self come to know respect and love this entity more and more let this entity become the great comfort protection and above all companion for when the self realizes its selfhood as a living testament to loving choices the entity receives the greatest gift of all true friendship true companionship this is not to say that an entity whose self is one's best friend will ever seem impeccable but to say that friendship and trustful companionship must begin with the self with all of its self-perceived errors in accepting this friendship the pores of the spiritual skin open to drink in the elixir of felt palpable love when you are friends with yourself you can relax into an aloneness that retains the comfort of true friendship. May we speak further, my sister? Barbara asks. We are eager to surrender to service, but we know how limited we are, and have the fear that we cannot succeed, that we'll run out of the food of love and energy to serve. How can we address this? Quote As a spirit, you need not food. As an entity in third density, respect for the incarnated self suggests an overwhelming love for that sheep must be fed so that it may sit in perfect fullness of being and allow the voice of spirit to flow through without diminishing or exhausting the third density manifested self. is there a further question barbara how can i learn to love and accept myself fully when i see in myself so many imperfections Quote, we do not find it difficult to love yourself we gaze at your courage as you walk in spiritual darkness making choices by faith alone We are deeply moved by the bravery of those who choose to express manifestation when it seems risky and almost hopeless. The solution to perceived lack of perfection is so simple that it escapes notice. This third-density experience was designed expressly so that perfection would be quite improbable. In the furnace of self-perceived fire, the fire of ever-ongoing, never-decreasing imperfection, The third-density spirit learns to become flexible, supple, and strong. Were an entity to express perfection in the third-density, such a one would be responsible to all to whom that incarnation became known. Such a responsibility is beyond the intention of your higher self at this moment. The imperfections of which you speak are links to those to whom you wish to offer heartfelt love. There is one state in which perfection may be well realized— And that is the sitting in the presence of the infinite creator, the great original thought or logos that is love. That perfection does you great good when you are in tabernacle with the infinite. One, there may be fed the infinite perfection that is love. When you open your eyes, retain that sharing of perfection. Remember at each moment this infinite perfection and allow it to make resonant, deep, wide, and spacious your perceptions of the specifically limited and often misleading events, entities, relationships, and occurrences of your relativistic time-space continuum. Perfection does not aid, except when embodied in third-density entities, that is, it does not aid the self or others. This furnace of incarnation is that which burns away the dross, although the heart of self is always perfect. The incarnated manifestation of self is useful as the self perceives the harsh but meaningful halting steps of will led by faith alone we speak to you from a density wherein we approach what you might accept as perfection however where we in the third density we would have become a gambler nothing more nothing less your self gamble that in spite of all self-perceived failures the self will not be afraid or bow to indecision but will choose to love again Nothing more and nothing less. Whether you perceive the self as successful or unsuccessful, perfect or imperfect, the intention will burn away the dross of which you are so aware. If you can find the courage to proceed in the hope of expressing love, then you shall be as perfect as one may hope to be within the dust laden confusion of perception of your illusion. Do not be deceived by the perceptions of the senses or the intellect both of which were designed to embrace the illusion to the exclusion of all things absolute. May we answer further, my sister? Barbara. Thank you very much, Kuo. I need to wait. I think I will have further questions sometime tomorrow. I will go over the transcript of what you said to me, and then talk to you again because I don't want to ask you to repeat. I have lost too much already by not hearing the words. I have one very brief question. As I relaxed and stopped trying to get all of Kim's words, As she is signing what Carla is channeling, there were many times when I felt that I was getting the material without lip-reading and that it was coming in telepathically, not in words the way I channel Aaron, but picking up concepts telepathically. Is it possible that I was hearing the words only telepathically when I relaxed and stopped trying to lip-read? Quote, You may perhaps hear our laughter. Yes, my sister, we are those known by many names, but above all, we are known as messengers of love as social memory complexes we may speak to any entity that is tuned to our frequency you are indeed a sensitive instrument and we are having difficulty keeping this instrument carla from grinning like a fool because we are so happy we laugh in joy we thank you my sister for the pleasure of communicating with your beloved self we feel that this is sufficient for this working and at this moment would leave this instrument and this group in the love and light of the one infinite creator we bid you adonai we are known to you as the principle of Quo, carla i've been working to learn to value being as opposed to doing it's very important to me because of my physical abilities are more and more limited Do you have suggestions on how i can proceed in this line of seeking barbara channeling aaron i find it a great blessing to have the privilege of being with you tonight and to speak to your question i might remark before we start that the light emanating from this room is brilliant and i find it very beautiful I remarked to Barbara and Carla earlier that I am not hampered by restraints of time or space and truly can experience the light of this room at any time I choose regardless of whether Barbara is using her senses. However, even though she perceives differently than I through her eyes and is not seeing the light but the faces, by experiencing while she experiences, I can perceive the effect of the energy of this room on her energy and have still deeper experience of the force of it. Thus, I can see this group without using Barbara's senses, but with her senses added, I profoundly feel the energy bursting forth. Carla, we are looking at your question about being versus doing, and I am afraid there is something you do not quite understand here. In being, you are doing. This comes back to this same truth I shared above. I see you as light, just that. Each of you radiates a very beautiful and unique pattern of light when you are being the most pure way possible for you you allow that universal energy to flow through you and out so that you become charged with the love of the universe with the love of god then the light that channels through you is enhanced by your own inner energy so that there are truly two sources of light you are each a spark of god picture the small ember and picture the large bonfire yet this ember has so much power is so unlimited that it itself is its own source as well as a channel for the universal source. What more important thing can you do, what deeper way can you serve than to magnify that love and light simply to allow yourself to be a channel for that light and love by being? Do you imagine that you are more of a channel for that love when you are physically active than you are physically quiet? The distinction is not so clear as you are making it, not so strong as you are making it. It does not work the other way. In doing, you are not always channeling that love and light so clearly. Rather, you are using your energy, feeling that something must be done and that you are in yourself are not sufficient. In a sense, this is what Quo was just speaking to Barbara about, beginning to understand that you are unlimited and that anything that flows through you is enhanced. As you allow this energy flow, the doing becomes simply another way of being. But as long as it is doing just for doing's sake. Much of the light is lost. Would you like further clarification of this before I go on? Carla, what different choices can I make? Can you clarify for me what you feel I have to choose between? I feel when people write me, I want to give them something they can hold and hear. Barbara Channeling. Aaron, there are two things happening here simultaneously, Carla. One is that you do find it a joy to be able to serve others in such a way that And yet at times you push yourself beyond your comfortable physical limits. There is a certain difference in giving out of joy and in feeling a very small sense of I should do this. Can you see the judgment in that should? It does not negate that aspect of you that wants to serve, but both voices are speaking at the same time, the I want to and the I should. Because of the historical associations within this incarnation for the I should, there is a churning of the inner energy. Barbara spoke to you earlier about my description last Thursday of the ways energy flows through you. In these ways, you are a channel for the energy of God and the universe. As soon as that small I should comes into it, it is like a twisting of the energy within your body so that it becomes a tumult within and does not flow through in the same way. What I am describing here is very simply the way I see the patterns of energy and light. But your experience of this blockage is as a churning in the stomach perhaps or some increased physical pain there is a sense of tension can you begin to separate the i want to and the joy of that intended service from the i should to notice that very quiet i should it is very quiet just a whisper but it is enough the more aware you become of that i should the more you can laugh at it and say well here comes the i should again when you can laugh at it you can greet it with so much less judgment and then the energy continues to flow through you and there is no distortion of that energy the i should is the doing and the i aspire to is the being can you see that the conflict is not in what to do but in the way in which you do it when the i should pushes you beyond your physical limits built up resentment can develop and with it some accompanying pain you're human you're not expected to be perfect While in a human form in this incarnation, there are emotions. To want to get rid of the emotional body is a non acceptance of the self, because the emotional body is an essential part of the incarnate self. So, what you are being given here is another opportunity to look at the emotional body and embrace it. Not to hate that aspect of yourself. Each of you needs to purify yourself into that spiritual body and to move further along your spiritual path. That is easy when you are not in an incarnation. The Incarnation offers the opportunity to practice when such embracing is more challenging. Do you look at the physical body and say, I don't want it? Or do you attempt to love it? It is much harder to learn to love the emotional part of the body complex. I speak here to all of you. Can you see the ways in which you have learned to accept the physical body more completely than the emotional body? It is harder, but until you have learned to accept all of that emotional energy in yourselves, you cannot accept it in others that is what you are feeling i keep asking barbara to honor the incarnation you cannot learn unconditional love compassion and forgiveness as easily while as a spirit because there is not the same force of the emotions on the spiritual plane here is the chance to learn speaking again to you carla can you see that it is not a choice of how or whether to answer these readers letters but how to relate to that small i should more lovingly so that you can begin to relate from the full being harmonizing all of its four bodies. Once you have begun to do that, not getting rid of, but accepting even the I should, you realize there is nothing of which to be gotten rid. When it is no longer necessary, it falls away. That last idea is not original to me. I quote quo, and that I should will fall away. It is still necessary now because you should not learn to accept it. At that point, when it falls away, you will understand that there is truly no difference between being and doing. The doing in the purest form is a way of being, and when you are being, you are always doing. Do you have further questions? Carla, yes. I just don't know how best to serve. You say, when you are being, you are always doing. But I often can't do anything. Can you speak to this? I would ask one question before I answer this. Is your doubt based in not knowing in which way you would best serve then or in the physical pain that comes when you push yourself to respond or is it in both? Carla says the first. Aaron states, If it is acceptable to you, Carla, I will address both as it is also a physical burden that is being put upon your body. I ask you first to look very closely and see the places where the desire to serve another through giving them something to hold on to comes from a pure place of love within your heart and where the desire to serve is to alleviate the sense of unworthiness both create a physical drain on your body the sense of i should that i just spoke of and feelings that create resentment can you see that both exist i would like you to visualize your energy as i see it when you are feeling loving and allowing your own energy to be channeled to others with as much clarity as is possible in that moment there is still a minimal distortion This is essential to the human form. Without such fluctuation, you would not be human. When you each allow that energy to be channeled within the distortion, the pattern of energy I see coming from the body looks like the concentric circles that appear when a pebble is thrown into the pond, each one of the circles radiating out. When there is any anger, greed, resentment, hate, visually what I see are sharp spikes like a child's image of the sun. When there is a mixture of love and resentment, I see both. This is why when you are in a room with another being and feel the presence of that being's anger, that being need not be talking to you for you to know the anger. When you feel the presence of love, there need be no words. You simply walk into the room and you feel it. The anger and love are tangible. Now visualize, if you will, what happens when those spikes of anger or fear hit these concentric circles of love. The sharp tips are often gently softened each time they make contact until they slowly wear down and smooth out into a circle. When I speak of being versus doing, one of the best ways that you can serve another being is simply in sending out those concentric circles of light that will soften another being's fear or anger. You are in A position, Carla, where people are writing to you, so it is very difficult to send that love out through the mail and feel assured that they will feel it. You can send it out and know some beings are capable of feeling it. But a simple few words from you, I love you, thank you for your letter, thank you, would be felt by some beings, but others would misunderstand it. You are right there. You must ask yourself two questions here. The first comprises two parts. To what am I responding? What is their need and what am I sending out? When there is any feeling of resentment or pressure or even uncertainty about answering that letter, some of that is received not as a softening circle but as small spikes. I'm not suggesting that your letters are not loving and skillful, but you must really look out carefully for that small I should I just spoke of or any physical exhaustion so that this letter is created with a loving desire to serve. The second question is, what is their need? You know that you cannot learn from another, yet they Is a large part of your pain because you have so much wisdom. It frustrates you that at times you share that wisdom and others cannot hear you because of their own fears. You ask, Is it unskillful to want to reach out in love to these souls that turn to you for help? First, be sure that your response is purely that of love. If there is any resistance to replying, simply put it aside for later that day or for another and then know that the response does come from that pure place of love within you a desire to serve and wears as minimal a distortion as you can manage ask yourself in what way am i trying to change them to make them hear me am i speaking with a voice of love and reassurance if i speak with love and they cannot hear me is that okay remind yourself that you cannot learn for them you can open a door but you cannot push them through put quite simply you have a tendency to want to solve others problems for them and this is one of the things you find most difficult because you know that it is not something you can do can you begin to relate to the source of that need to solve others problems and take away another's pain can you begin to make yourself so comfortable with your own pain and here i do not mean physical pain but i mean the pain of your own existence that you no longer need to take away their pain can you you see the lesson in this for you that as you find a deeper acceptance for yourself your response to others will become increasingly skillful and that instead of needing to change things you will help them to find a deeper acceptance for themselves do you understand is there a further question carla yes but i have to think about it first aaron asks is there a further question carla says yes i've always had low physical and emotional energy what do i need to learn and how can i work to heal that in myself and serve better it makes me angry that i can't do everything i wish to do then i feel guilty because i'm angry help aaron says i perceive a normal amount of energy within you but it is partially blocked below the heart chakra by the anger so the energy flow is restricted so let us talk about anger there is the misunderstanding of assuming one has only two choices in dealing with anger Or any heavy emotion that one expresses it and talk about it or that one suppresses it there is a third choice and that is just to notice it when you quietly notice something and touch it with your gentleness very often it dissolves it simply does not have the same solidity or the same hold over you it is not necessary to practice your anger to express it verbally or in a physical way such as throwing pillows This practice, in a sense, enhances the anger. It does allow the being to recognize it. And for some beings who have a great deal of trouble recognizing it, it may be used as a useful first step. I prefer simply treating it as one treats the stub toe. Will you try and experiment with me here? Picture yourself sitting on a mountaintop. It is a beautiful day. There is a clear view. The sun is shining with a lovely warmth, as a warm cloak on your shoulders. And a cool breeze touches your face in the distance you see a cloud and then you turn your back to it and go back to enjoy the view that cloud approaches but you are totally unaware of its presence until suddenly it sweeps over the top of the mountain enclosing you completely within it shutting off the sun you cannot see your hands six inches in front of your face the air feels cold and clammy there is a sense of panic thinking how will i find the path to get down there's a sense of anger of wanting this cloud to go away Can you feel that need to push it away? Can you feel how hard it is to just sit there and let it be there? Can you feel how strong the aversion is to it? Come back again to the sunny mountaintop and the same cloud in the distance. Enjoy the view and notice the cloud. There's a cloud coming. It looks like it will be here in 10 or 15 minutes. Well, here it comes, another minute or two. It's a big cloud too, and very dense looking. I think it will be here for half an hour maybe even more perhaps i should put my jacket on it and here it comes it encloses you completely again and again you cannot see your hands in front of your face you do miss the warm sun and the view it does feel cold and clammy but you saw it coming and you know how long it will be here can you see how much easier it is simply to sit with it and allow its presence and that there is no longer a struggle with it it is just a cloud can you feel the difference Your anger is like that. It becomes solid when you struggle with it. When there is a sense of needing it, or needing to make it go away, or to do anything special with it. When you can simply allow it as a cloud passing through and let go of your struggle with it, and there is no need to react to it. Certain conditions prompt the anger to arise. It is noticed, and it dissolves, and it goes away. It is not the anger that is a problem. It is your reaction to that anger That is what solidifies the anger So how do you work with this? It is truly just a skill that may be developed And it has two parts One is noticing the rising of anger as quickly as you can Each time it comes Even beginning to notice the situations that may provoke anger And asking, I wonder if anger will arise next And the second is noticing your reaction to the anger And asking, is there judgment against it? Is there hatred of it? Or can I simply hold it, holding myself in my arms as I would mentally with that stubbed toe? Can I respond to this anger the way I would respond to a child who came inside crying and saying, a bully pushed me down? Would I tell that child, well don't be angry? Or would I more skillfully hold that child in my arms and say, I see how angry you're feeling and reassuring it that it is still loved despite the anger and that the anger has nothing to do with its lovability or with its soul's perfection? It is so easy for all of you to have compassion for others, but not for yourselves. So I ask you, can you begin to relate to this anger in a more open and loving way? I'm not suggesting here that it is skillful to walk around angry, but anger does arise, just like clouds do come over. As long as you are here in a physical body, there are going to be feelings. Even the most highly evolved being incarnate in a human body still has feelings, but they're is no longer attachment or aversion to those feelings. There is no longer a need to get rid of them or to struggle with them. And it is through that relaxation of that struggle that one finds a deep peacefulness. Anger and love are not mutually exclusive. It all depends on how you relate to that anger. In purely practical terms, I would suggest that it would be useful to play a game with yourself to help you loosen up and relate more lovingly and openly to anger. Take a notebook with you, a small notebook, and for a day or several days, as seems practical to you, every time you see anger arise, just jot down a line. Be a cat at a mouse hole and think, Aha, there's anger. I caught it. I see it this time. I'm getting faster. I can see it faster and faster. See if you can lighten up a little. Oh my, here's anger. The second thing I would suggest that might be helpful is to begin to observe the pattern of how you relate to your anger. To start to note every time you do Note anger arise, that little voice that says, I shouldn't be angry, and ask that voice, why shouldn't I? There is a big difference between using your anger as a reason to act unskillfully toward another and in simply feeling anger. Do you have further questions? There are no questions at this time. I thank you for the opportunity to share your love and your light. Please know how much my love is with you, and that the love and courage that you bring to your work is truly a light and an inspiration to all beings on all planes. That is all. Now, there are many, many other sessions designed around these Aaron Quote Dialogues, and I've barely scratched the surface, so I recommend that you check out that book, The Aaron Quote Dialogues, and perhaps we will revisit some of these other sessions in the future. But this gives you a little taste of it, and it's interesting to read another channeler. I'm fascinated by the fact that Barbara is channeling while deaf, that she can speak the words out even while deaf. It's very interesting that she's able to do that. I would love to know Are you channeling? Have you had the experience of channeling? Do you tune yourself before you channel? And what kind of experiences have you had with it? What can we take from a dialogue like this between Aaron and Quo? There's a lot more stuff that happens later on in the dialogues where we get an idea of Quo and Quo's beliefs and differences with Quo and Aaron's beliefs and the differences with Aaron. And I found it to be. Very enlightening as someone who's fascinated by LL Research and these interesting dialogues. There's a lot we can take from this particular channeling session. A very interesting discussion of anger. The way that anger can sit with you. And the need to get rid of anger. And the need to keep it. And if anger comes, you see it coming, you can sit with it and it goes away. I've found this to be true. I've also found The discussion on being and doing, also quite interesting. The portion of you that is saying, I should, instead of just doing it. There is a difference in your being and the way you act. When you're working on the I should principle, you want to be acting with inspiration from your heart, not just because you have to do it or you should be doing it. And it's a very subtle thing. You can find all episodes of The Reality Revolution at therealityrevolution.com And welcome to The Reality Revolution.